0: Into your life from this. Now, with, without further ado, let's get into this podcast and enjoy.
1: Hi, and welcome to support this podcast. On today's episode, I'm with Patrick Kremen. Patrick is a really good family friend of mine. He's a TV and voice actor. And has been in many TV programs from EastEnders, Doctors, Stockwell, Roman Mysteries, Hustle, Heartbeat, Casualty, Footballers Wives, Bodily Harm, The Bill, Silent Witness, Murphy's Law, Rescue Me, Families, and many more. He has also starred in um, the video game Heavenly Sword. As a voice actor in that game, and has appeared in many many TV commercials. He attended the Central School of Speech and Drama, and has also done theatre performances as well. In this podcast, we talk about how he got in, how Patrick got into acting, and the importance of following what you love to do in life, and much much more i provided a short showreel of some of his work which you can listen to in a second but i hope you sit back relax and enjoy this episode
2: symptoms of throat infection even at the first time get on top of your sore throat early with strepsis what does your bank manager know about cars is the big end about to go are you about to buy a lemon that's why when you take out an aa car loan, we'll give you a free car inspection worth up to 119 pounds when you've got a cold sore don't hide red team have been there since six i think Code name for Osman is Nettle Tip. Like the DI said, we've been asked to contain. Firearms will make the stop. You've got a decision to make right now, but you've most probably got about 20 seconds to do it. Do you want this man detained? If you do, we can do it. But I need an answer now. <sighs> Jessica, I've told them not to bother calling, but they insisted. Dad, can you just tell me that it's not true? Of course it isn't. Haven't they told you, darling? It was a misunderstanding, that's what? all. You stalking me around campus with a pair of vinos
1: like some bummer. Hi, Patrick. Good morning, Adam. Um, Thank you for coming on the podcast. We really really appreciate it. My pleasure. Um, So yeah, um, so like you, you do like you've done like voice acting, acting, and you've been in um, many TV commercials from like Suva's adverts, um, bank uh, commercials, and I think uh, people, you know, will recognize your voice and
3: um well if i was to say to you strep first aid for sore throats you might recognize that
2: that yeah. was something
3: i did that for eight years so people must have been sick of the sound of it <laughs> but, uh, but uh, it was good fun really good fun uh, those those i love doing voices because you go you know you're in a studio and when you when they play it back uh, over a huge sound system um, it's like you're in a movie theatre. Wow. So it's very, it's very rewarding. But that's only, you know, that's my kind of bonus acting. My main acting is stage and TV. Mm. It's what I still really enjoy doing. And believe it or not, I've been doing it for 33 years. So... Which makes me feel rather weak to contemplate. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm still here. I'm still going. Um, yeah, uh, I've been very lucky. I, I've obviously got A modicum of talent otherwise I wouldn't still be here but I am and I still love it so um,
1: Mm.
3: yeah I think that's like most actors I could probably talk about myself all day (laughs) Um, so (laughs) so be careful
1: yeah no it's absolutely fine I mean it's you know it's about you know your why you know why you do what you do and you know it's interesting to to uh hear about it because um, I think you've done so many different things and been in so many different things. It's interesting to hear about it because you've been in like EastEnders um, using that recently as well.
3: Yeah, Um, that was was last year. I played a character called Musky who was a friend of Jack Branning who's one of the uh, regular characters. Um, Such good fun to do because you're part of it and also they kind of once you've got the part they, they're putting their faith in you and they sort of leave you to your own devices so you can do your own performance. <laughs> Obviously, if it's, if it's rubbish or too outlandish, then they'll have a word, but um, they basically let you get on with it, mm. which is really, really good fun. That's um, quite good,
1: I suppose, isn't it? They can kind of let you kind of like, not run free, but...
3: Well, exactly. And as I say, if, if it's too much... Um, but I just had, I had a lot of fun because as you can probably tell, I'm quite middle class, but I was playing a Cockney policeman, mm. um, who was quite rough. And um, it's always good fun to, to go out of your own comfort zone and out of your own skin and mm. be someone else, which is, as you probably know, as a, a man who works with people's psychology, yeah. um, that's a, a lot of the reasons people go into acting because they, they enjoy being somebody else, which... Probably mm. says a lot about them, but uh, <laughs> uh, you've, got to, you've got to love it as well, obviously, because it's, it's such a difficult profession. And you, you spend 99% of the time twiddling your thumbs, staring at the phone, mm. uh, only to be told, uh, oh, sorry, lovey, no, they didn't like you. And yeah. you, sort of, you have to get used to that, obviously. Um, but all actors are used to that and are used to being on the dole some of the time. Uh, but of course, when we're actually working, it's brilliant.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: That's that's why I'm still doing it because I love it. Um, stage is a bit different because it's stage is much harder work, obviously, because you know intensive rehearsal for five or six weeks. You've got to learn all the lines, um, and you're under pressure every night on stage, and you can't muck about. And if you if you fluff. They can't say cut. Um, you have to just pick it up again. But that's got its own rewards, obviously, because you're, in, you're interacting with an audience and they're giving you immediate approbation for what you're doing.
1: Mm. Uh, but that's quite intense as well, isn't it? Because you, you're literally, you are in the limelight and if you make a mistake or Very something. Very good, it's,
3: yes. You're literally in the limelight, yes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, so you can. I mean, um, and occasionally I've been on stage and haven't got a clue what I'm supposed to say next. Uh, I did, yes, Prime Minister in Frinton, which was incredibly good fun because I played the Prime Minister. Um, oh wow! And in the second half, he's on stage for the whole second act, and um, it was a very very hot summer, summer of two thousand and fifteen, and Frint the theatre at Frinton. Um, which is great but it's like a sort of tin box oh, so God. it gets incredibly hot and you feel like you're going to pass out and, and halfway through the second half I was having a chat with somebody um, about I can't remember but I, comp- I just went I was so hot and tired I just went completely blank and sat there and I just said to one of the other characters and uh, so Humphrey Um, (laughs) any thoughts? (laughs) He said, and he said Oh, yes, Prime Minister. um, Claire's paper was published by the University Press, which is what I was supposed to say.
0: Mm.
3: And, of course, the audience don't notice. They're half asleep anyway, most of the time. But, um, yeah, things like that happen. It's quite frightening. And and the other thing that I'm sure you've heard about is stage fright, Mm. which people who've never been on stage don't really get. And what it is, is is it's like someone's pulled the plug out, Mm. pulled your plug out of the socket and all your energy suddenly drains away. Because when you're on stage, you're up the whole time. Your energy, it's like juggling. You've got tennis balls in the air all the time. You have to have that energy to be watchable, obviously. And when all the energy drains out and you haven't got a clue where you are, what you're supposed to say, what you're doing it's very very scary and it only lasts probably a split second but you feel like the audience have been staring at you for half an hour and you haven't Mm. they Mm. have not it's happened to me a couple of times it's horrible Mm. who's that in the background interrupting my? it's
1: just one of my neighbors
3: oh right okay um yeah so you had stage fright yeah, it's happened uh, twice, and you, there are some actors who. Just trying to think who someone who died recently who who stopped doing stage because they've had stage fright and they're so petrified about getting it again, because mm. it it really is frightening. Anyway, it's very rare. Is of it almost like scene.
1: it's almost like anxiety?
3: Yeah, it's it's kind of a panic attack. Yeah,
1: I think. I, I experienced that once when I did I did a play at my school in um when I when I was in primary school. I did a uh, Rooster, played Rooster in the Annie, Annie musical. Oh right, yeah. And it was like a main, you know, proper main part. And um I remember the first time we did it properly in front of like an audience. Like I I think I experienced that stage right that you mentioned where I, I literally my lines yeah. I, I was talking about my, I was speaking my lines. and I just went blank.
3: <laughs> and I just yeah, kind of froze. Well, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And, you, and then you suddenly kind of wake up out of it and think, where the hell am I? Mm. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, yes. I'm on stage. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but apparently when I, uh, the very first time I ever had it, one of the girls in the cast, it was um, The Country Wife, which is a restoration comedy. And I was playing the lead and she said, my God, you went white as a sheet. Mm. Well, I thought you were actually going to faint, but that's what it feels <laughs> like. Anyway, obviously the, lot- the, 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 best, the best medium is I've done a few radio plays and they are a joy because you don't have to learn the lines. Oh, wow. Which sounds crass, but you don't. Um, it's all there you. Yeah, it's on a it's on a plinth in front of you, on a dais in front of you. Obviously, you can't turn the pages; you have to unclip everything first. Um, and it helps if you've actually bothered to read it. Um, but it's that's that's really good fun as well.
1: I suppose that that pressure and that anxiety is probably good in some aspect because I think you can kind of turn that. You know, you kind of use that and channel it into like.
3: Absolutely, you need it. Yeah, and. The, the very worst feeling is uh, the first night of a show when you're playing the lead and you're standing in the wings and you're just thinking, I would like to be anywhere else in the world but here. Yeah. <laughs> and no, seriously, it's just what the hell have I got myself into? Because you don't mm. know how it's going to go. You don't know how the audience is going to react. You don't know if you're going to know your opening line.
0: Mm.
3: And you're quite right. You need to have that fear. You can feed off it. And it kind of buoys you up, and, and it gives you that energy that makes the audience want to watch you.
0: Mm.
3: Because if an actor just kind of slobs onto the stage, lifeless, that's not watchable. It's kind of that's mm. the op- opposite of stage presence, which is what we like to watch on stage. Somebody who's yeah. confident and energised. Um, yeah, talking of... Yeah, when I was at drama school... Uh, one of my mates kept forgetting mm. his lines. He just yeah. kept on. I having, having to call to the stage manager, line, <laughs> line, and um, he was in a he was in a a show in our second year, and the curtain went up, and then this pair of shoes went hurtling across the stage because he'd forgotten to put them on.
0: Oh no! And someone had to,
3: someone had to throw them across the set. The the wings where he was waiting, which of course threw him completely. So he then, this is an apocryphal story from the Central School of Speech and Drama. Mm. He then came on with his best buddy uh, and they're supposed to have been having a drink and a laugh and they're both going, (laughs) and then my mate went, (laughs) lying. Oh no. He completely thrown himself anyway. (laughs)
1: So people, awesome. people were watching,
3: an audience were watching. Oh, yeah. was... oh yes, it, 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 it was a second year show but what they used to do was get the whole of the Central School of Speech and Drama which has you know, lots of different departments so everyone mm. would be forced to come into the theatre and watch us you know, to give us a taste of mm. what it's actually properly like yeah. in front of the schoolhouse.
1: I, I suppose that as well gives you... Um, it's, it's all good experience for when you then do, like say, film acting like. Because that, that, I think that's really finding yourself out of your comfort zone, isn't it? Doing that on stage and then going to a studio side of it, that probably prepares you for it, doesn't it? Like um, uh, they're very, very,
3: It's a very, very different craft, mm. if you like. Um, because TV and film acting, it's, it's very intensely about your face and particularly about your eyes. Mm. Which is why good actors, you see, they very rarely blink on TV. Because as soon as you blink, you're kind of breaking a moment. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, stage is incredibly high energy and powerful. And then TV has got to the intensity has got to be right inside you. And you've got to be super confident and know exactly what you're doing. And Mm -hmm. barely, barely move a muscle of your face. Because every time you do it, it tells the audience something. Mm. But that's, yeah. good. That's, that's good fun in itself, because then you see it back and you think, actually, yeah, that worked. Mm. I'm not saying I'm any good, but, it, you know, I'm all right.
1: No, I, yeah, I, 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 I watched, I watched your, like, your film reel. I watched your film reel, and I saw um, that like, you was in The Bill. Um,
3: yeah, that was my this. very first job, actually. My first TV job in 1989. I just left the Royal Shakespeare Company, where I started, and yeah, I had a, a lovely little part in the bill playing a um, a riot squad officer called Sergeant Bancroft. And you suddenly realise it TV is a completely different thing when you when you've just done two years of shouting Shakespeare.
1: Hmm.
3: Um, but that was that was a very good introduction. I was very lucky.
1: And then that kind of like
3: let's like.
1: Um in casualty heartbeat. Um, yeah, I, um, I died twice in casualty. You you died twice in casualty.
3: Yeah, and actually this is this is very silly. I had an accident recently. I've got a big scar on my forehead. I fell mm. over and gashed my head open, mm. and I was up at the hospital, and um, the guy was stitching me up. Nice, you know, injection in the forehead, and then seven stitches. Oh, nice. Uh, I'd had morphine though, so that was fine. But this <laughs> guy said to me, um, he said, so what do you do for a living? And I said, uh, oh, I'm an actor. And then I said, um, and funnily enough, we're in casualty here. I've died twice in casualty. And he stopped. And he said, what, what do you mean? And he said, oh, I see. You mean acting you died twice. Oh. <laughs> because, yeah, presumably medically, you can't actually die twice. Yeah. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> and I got yeah, I got shot in heartbeat, which was another brilliant part. I was playing playing a rent boy, um, oh, opposite right. the original pole dark. So I was playing a rent boy on a scooter, mm. uh, who was blackmailing Robin Ellis, uh, who as I said was the original pole dark. Um very, very nice guy. Um but I was blackmailing him and he sent his chauffeur around to shoot me. Oh, so damn. I was, dead. I was dead by half time. Um, but that was I, That was great. That was really good. I, saw,
1: I think I saw that clip where he was in Heartbeat. You're in some Parker jacket and you turn up to
3: this guy's like, man. That's, right. yeah, that, I, uh, I that's right. Yeah. I tell him I want money off him. That's right. Yeah.
1: Like a really shifty character he was playing. On that.
3: Yes. I was like... yeah, he was horrible. He was horrible. <laughs> they. Um, they had to mock up a photo of me and him in the 60s because uh, he was my boyfriend kind of thing. And uh, yeah. they, <laughs> the art department um, put f- somehow photoshopped fake hair onto my head because I had oh, very wow. short hair. And uh, the stage manager saw it and said, oh, yes, you, you would look quite nice if you had hair. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, cheers, love. OK, thanks. Yeah,
1: because <laughs> um, I saw that you did uh, is it heavenly? Sword? you did like a voice acting for a video game as well, called yeah. Sword. yeah. Yeah, I,
3: this is a, a while back, this is 10 odd years ago, but um, yeah, they they are not quite so organic and rewarding because the, I did five or six different games and they're quite funny. As soon as you go in, they say, Right, listen. We don't want the normal, um, whatever it is, video game performance, okay? We want it to be natural, cinematic, and um, reserved. And of course, no. by the after half an hour, you're just screaming into a microphone, get down, incoming, man down. Right. Um, and that's what, that's what they want. And that's what the players want, I presume. I've never played no. one of those. Have you played Heavenly Sword?
1: I've I've not played it, but I have played games that are similar. So you've got right. like uh, these these I think they call them NPCs,
3: right? Characters
1: that you are in the game world that you can talk to, or they say certain things. Oh, I see. Okay.
3: Right. So so we would, yeah we would record five or six different versions of each thing. I presume that's because depending on how the game is going there's going to be a different outcome. Is that right?
1: Yeah, like different reactions
3: to what's happening. Yeah. Yes, depending on what, you, what the player has done, I'm guessing.
0: Mm. I mean, I'm must...
3: not tech savvy at all.
1: Mm.
3: In fact, um, listeners to your podcast might be interested to know that it's taken me quite a while for you to be able to connect to me. Yeah, it's... Um, because, I'm um, such, of... <laughs> because I'm such a klutz and a nutty. <laughs> see it 's technical
1: i mean, there's lots of different platforms to use i think anchor the first one we used
3: that that didn 't work for yeah, but we didn 't know why I, I suspect it was my connection but i don 't but this is okay isn 't it
1: yeah yeah zoom audio is great but um but yeah it's you know
0: it 's just technical issues i think it 's probably connection both sides
3: right but but um but I practiced Zoom last night with a friend of mine, and I couldn't hear a word she was saying. I could see her, and and it kept breaking up. And she said, "I'm going to come to East B B B B B B next B
1: B B B B B B
3: B B B B
1: So how did you get into acting? What got you into it?
3: Um, I've always loved it. The very first thing I did, I played the king who was presenting myrrh to the baby Jesus in the nativity in 1966 at my primary school. Um, Really enjoyed that, I don't know why. Um, but then at, at secondary school, I did lots of plays, loved it. Then I went to uni and spent—I got a terrible degree because I spent most of my time putting on plays with myself mm. as the lead, obviously, as you do—and mm. spending the um, student union's money on the plays. <laughs> uh, so then, <laughs> then um, I just thought, "You're going to have to—I want to do this for a living." So I went to drama school. I was very lucky to get into the Central School of Speech and Drama. Uh, in 1984 Um, and it just went from there three years there and then I was I when I was there you had to 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 be able to work you had to have an equity card equity membership of the union Mm. and it was very very difficult to get it was a sort of catch-22 you couldn't work without an equity card and you couldn't get an equity card without work so I became a children's party entertainer, believe it or not. Oh, wow. Uh, every Saturday I would go off and do magic tricks and a puppet show and play games and blah, blah, which was actually quite good because I got 50 quid for an afternoon. Uh, and got into to, to equity through that avenue of being a, 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 a I suppose it's variety entertainer. Mm. Um and because of that, I was able to get an agent in my third year at drama school. And because of that, um, I got two years at the Royal Shakespeare Company.
1: Wow, that's awesome. So it's like all these little things like led to you getting into it, isn't it? And it's like, like you yeah. said, you have to start from somewhere, don't you? Like, regardless of where you go into
3: Yeah, Yeah, and, and like anything, you've got to have the drive and you've got to have You've got to really want it because there are so many hurdles in the way. And there are for the rest of your career. I mean, you know, we all look at the TV and go, oh, not him again. Oh, bloody. I could have done that so much better. But that's Mm. not the point. The point is you didn't get the part. So, you know.
1: Mm. I I really take my hat off to actors. That you know some actors that you don't see for a while, then they come back in a paw and they absolutely smash it. Yeah,
3: or it's interesting, you, isn't you it? Dance. That's that's what happens. It goes in. It can go in cycles, and it depends um, what your casting range is. I mean, for a long time, I looked uh, too young to be playing. I'm 59, and I was. I, when I was about 50, I looked about 30, which is no good because yeah. they say to you that. Why are you here? How old are you? I actually made a mistake once of saying, uh, how old do you want me to be? And the woman (laughs) said, oh, shut up. Really? (laughs) Trying to be clever. (laughs) But yeah, I see what you're saying. And it goes in cycles. So you can be flavor of the month, you know, Mm. throughout your 30s or whatever. And then it can go, it can just drop off. And then you, as long as you're still around and you've still got an agent and you're still trying, Mm. doing something like your own one man show or something like that or Mm. writing a book or whatever as long as you're as long as you're there in the background it will come back it always does Mm. i mean a lot of people drop out because they usually because they've got kids and they've got to feed their family and pay the mortgage Mm. so they have to they drop out and do something else which is quite sad because you know the dream is obviously dead at that point
1: Mm. Yeah, I think it, there's a lot of competition in it, isn't there? So, it's, so, huge, so so many people want to be an actor, so many people office. want to go into yeah. it.
3: Yeah. There are just so many of us. Um, do you have a. Um, sorry. No, sorry. Carry on. No, Back you, you can you. carry on. I was just going to say yep.
1: Do you do you, um, have a favourite part that you played or um,
3: a favourite uh, role? Uh, like, what, what yeah, would you say? I I played, from 1990 to 1993, I was in a soap opera at Granada TV in Manchester in a show called Families, which sadly died a death in 1993. Um, but I played a, an, a young army officer. Hmm. And I, I, turned, I made him into a complete Gumby uh, <laughs> and thicko, and I, I just enjoyed it. And they started writing for, for me, making him look as stupid as possible and that was just it was almost it turned it almost into comedy um i love doing that also Mm. of course when you're on tv three times a week uh there is the other thing about being recognized wherever you go which is which is quite weird when it first happens Mm.
0: Uh,
3: i remember i was in a, a petrol station i'd just been on holiday and i came back and the show had been on air for about six months. And I was, I was at the back of the queue in the petrol station. And the bloke at the till shouted out, well, some people have all the luck on TV, don't they? And I turned around <laughs> t- to look behind me. And there was nobody <laughs> behind me. And I suddenly realized he was talking to me. And everyone in the shop started laughing and sort of pointing at me. Um, I mean, usually, usually it's... You know, celebrities moan about the intrusion of the press and having their mm. phones tapped and all that rubbish, but, which isn't, isn't good. But, you know, the flip side is complete strangers coming up and saying, I think you're really good.
1: Mm.
3: Or, think... they tend, or they, they say, uh, I don't watch the show myself. And you sort of think, well, why are you talking to me? How, do, how the hell do you know who I am? <laughs> it's...
1: Um... I think there's that, there's that balance and that flip side to it isn't there? You've got the foot side of people in, who work for magazines who've taken pictures and stuff like paparazzis and invading yeah. people's privacy. I don't agree with that, um, and then you've got like you know the fans and everyday people in the public oh yeah, I saw you on yeah, so exactly, I and mean, so yeah
3: exactly that's, that's that's not unpleasant at all, and it's quite, it bigs you up quite a lot as well, especially if it's an attractive woman. <laughs> um, but we won't, we won't go down that path yeah <laughs> but
1: um <laughs> because i've known you for like a couple of years like i remember you saying um your your is it your grandfather the, the buses
3: there's a really oh, interesting Thomas Tilling thing. yeah yeah he was he was my great 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 grandfather um the name is still quite well known, and he started, the, really, the very first London bus company. Uh, yeah. He used to deliver milk on a horse and cart in southeast London, and he started giving people lifts. And he thought, well, well this is, I can start charging them, and I'll start doing, forget the milk, stuff the milk, I'll start charging them. And, and, and he created what he called times buses with a, a timetable. And it, it mushroomed. And at one point, I think they had, you know, they were the original London transport. And at one point they had something like 5,000 horses around London and 50 canteens, you know, mm-hmm. where the, with stables where, where, the, where each route was based. Um, so they were huge. And then his son, Richard Tilling took over and had to, in about 1910, had to mechanize the whole fleet. Um, and when when the war broke out, the great War broke out, they I remember reading this Richard sold to the government four hundred horses to go to France, in other words, wow. war
0: horses
3: yeah um, so they yeah, they were fabulously wealthy um, slightly it's been slightly diluted now, you know generations on but um, it's a very good story, and Thomas tilling became Cockney rhyming slang for shilling. Ah. So, Judy Lentz to Tommy Tilling. And that was my great, great grandfather. Who started out as a pig
1: farmer. So, so inspiring and amazing to,
0: to hear. Well, makes, yeah, yeah, you know,
3: you've got, you've got quite a rich heritage with your family and you know what it's like. It sort of makes you feel part of something. It's part of something special. Mm. Um, obviously you know they they sold the company in about 1940 I think um, and as I say so the money got diluted down but my mum still got quite a lot and uh, the flat I'm sitting in at the moment is bought with Thomas Tilling money so I'm very lucky
1: yeah that's amazing I mean I think it's so important to uh, to look into our roots and history I mean I know a lot of people who don't Bother with it, or they come bothered, and I think it's so important because you you might find out something amazing. I mean, like with that, you just don't know, do you? you know, yeah, exa- you know,
3: exactly. Well, exactly. So, I mean, it's 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 a stepping stone to who you are,
0: hmm.
3: and it's part of you. So you might as well know. You yeah, know unless I, unless it turns out your grandfather was Jack the Ripper, yeah,
1: you'd <be> like. <laughs> Oh, you'd be like, oh, okay, we'll finish there. I've, I've, I've looked into it and... <laughs>
3: <No>. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I don't really... You know, or you could just put a black felt-tip pen through his name. On <laughs> <Yes. tree. laughs> yeah, that's... that's I, I don't know if you've done Ancestry um, online. That's incredibly exciting because obviously you can't find out everything. I mean, I, on my dad's side, uh, his dad was Irish and we've only been able to go back about two generations there because I think without casting any on the Irish, I think the records <laughs> office in Dublin got burnt down. Oh, you're joking. <laughs> so it's, it's very difficult to go much further back than, you know, 100 years. But um, It's
1: definitely, um, it's definitely
3: very, fascinating. As I was saying, it's very, very exciting when, when things turn up and when other people have been, when their family trees cross over or, or coincide with yours and they've been able to find things out that you can pinch mm. uh, a friend of mine you know, I'm sure you saw Danny Dyer um, who found out he's related to William the Conqueror which is just preposterous <laughs> 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 a friend of mine um, uh. he asked me to do it for her and we traced it back And because someone else had done all this work things just kept appearing and we went all the way back to 1492 Same family surname, which was extraordinary. And what was quite funny, she's quite posh. And most of her relatives clearly couldn't write because (laughs) because all these parish records had, you know, marriage certificates. They just put an X (gasps) because they were all uh, farm labourers from Suffolk. Wow. But uh, 1492, extraordinary.
1: That's crazy. It is. It is amazing. I mean, like you say, ancestry. That's kind of um, talking of ancestry. Somebody um, on my 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 dad's side, um, basically, like my my granddad, my dad's dad, passed away when he was forty, had a heart attack very early on. Um, he he joined the army many years ago, um, before he had my dad and my aunties, etc. And Basically, a woman got in touch with my, dad's, my auntie, my dad's sister. Yeah. And um, had been doing her ancestry. And she claimed that my granddad had had a kid, and she was the daughter
3: of him. Oh, my God. What, that your, your dad and your aunt didn't know about?
1: Yeah, my, my dad and my two aunts didn't know anything about. Oh my or, God. My, or, my, or my dad's mom. So, that's something that happened recently. Um,
3: Right.
1: How, how did they feel? I mean, it's definitely, definitely caused, like, you know, a thing of emotion because they didn't know anything about it. And it's quite, you know, it's like a mixture of It's almost like, ex- I think my dad felt quite excited and then, you know, quite emotional, you know, as you would be. Um, but this woman's a lot older now and All I think right. she she's in her 50s or 60s. Um so, yeah, that happened, and that's kind of it gone as, going. Um,
3: as long as she she didn't turn up saying, oh, by the way, I'm your half-sister, can I have 10 grand? Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah.
3: Uh, you may have noticed so. I don't look anything like you, but I'm, I promise you I am. I am your half-sister. Yeah. Make that 20. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. I'll take so, a twig. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just paypal me. Um, <laughs> But but there, I mean, it it can work in good ways. But I think it can definitely throw. Do you know what I mean? It can definitely stir up a lot. Um, It's. But then again, that. It's life, isn't it? I mean, you know how how do you you know how do you move forward with that when? Things like that arise. It's.
3: You know, everyone's different, aren't they? Are your dad and your aunt? Are they going to keep in touch with her? Have I don't know. I, I don't know. This so is did um she, did she find them using Ancestry?
1: Yeah. Using Ancestry and I think looking through Facebook or something like that.
3: Right.
1: Blimey. So see what happens. But um but yeah, Hang I on. mean
3: she's your she's your she's your well, aunt in effect.
1: Be be like in some some aspect,
3: yeah. Just um
1: yeah a different because yeah basically through my granddad yeah
3: so yeah but if she's your if she's your dad's half sister she's your half aunt as it were.
1: half aunt yeah, yeah yeah
3: that's what it, know, that's, that's what it season. turned out to be so
1: yeah it's interesting i mean Miami.
3: but um anyway back to me um yeah
1: <laughs> but um <laughs> would you would you say uh you you have any role models do you have any uh, role models or anyone um, you look like look up to?
3: Uh, I've got. I've certainly got favourite actors like Richard Harris. Um, these are slightly older actors, obviously, and, and dead. Robert Shaw. Um, Marcus Rashford, obviously. That was
2: kind
3: yeah, of true. He, he <laughs> <So> he's <laughs> had, a, he's <laughs> had a very <laughs> good lockdown, hasn't he?
1: Yeah, so, I think he's done really well with terms of is it raising money and putting money into uh yeah
3: and he's he's very lucid and he's very calm and and you know the politicians can't really really deny him because he's got great support and he talks sense mm. and, he, and he's doing it for the right reasons he's not self-seeking or self-serving he's, he's doing it because he believes in it mm. and you know how good to make poli- the prime minister do a u-turn mm very rarely happens. So yeah. I mean, he's not a role model, obviously, because he's about a third of my age, but um, he's definitely very admirable. Is, yeah.
1: No, I think, yeah, I think it's important, you know, to to do things like how, what he's done. I mean,
0: especially well, if in time.
3: Yeah. If you've got a platform and a voice and people are listening, yeah, he's, he's done exactly the right thing. I mean, yeah most celebrities or or footballers whatever are in it for themselves and for the cash and for the you know the fame and fortune they're not interested in giving anything anything back mm-hmm. but obviously he can see you know his old community in withenshaw he can see mm-hmm. what's going on and he's trying mm-hmm. to help because mm-hmm. he was there i don't know if you saw the interview on the bbc with him in his garden and there's so he, he's sitting on the wall talking to Sally Nugent, the interviewer, and uh, mm. there's a little five-a-side goal at the end of the garden with a mm. bent crossbar. And he's "Think, Marcus, Marcus, mate, you're on 200 yeah. grand a week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and someone's bent the crossbar of your five-a-side goal. I know. It's very funny. Anyway. I, I, did,
1: I, I, I did see, is uh, it Matt, Matt Hancock? got his name wrong or something like that. He oh, misspelled. no. He, he was interviewed by Sky News and he, he got his name wrong and then he corrected his name and I was like... What he did just, he call he just, him? He called him Daniel. Mar- he called him no, Daniel Dan. or... St- ah, I think he called yes, him Daniel story. or something it, like that. Yeah, he called him... Da- that's right.
3: You know, Idiot. Yeah. <laughs> He's running the NHS. Yeah. It says a lot, doesn't it? It does. But, um,
1: do, do you have any favourite books, Patrick, that you like to read at all? Do you read at all? Uh,
3: yeah, I read a lot, actually. Um, I had to move all my books yesterday because I'm getting a new carpet. This is interesting. getting <laughs> a new carpet. So all my books had to be moved out. Um, yeah, I really like Dirk Bogard's autobiographies and Michael Palin, Around the World in 80 Days. I always read when I'm on holiday. Mm. Don't quite know why. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it sort of makes sense. But, um, no, he, too many to mention, to be quite honest. Mm.
1: Yeah, no, reading is important, isn't it? You learn so much.
3: Yeah, and it keeps your brain buzzing.
1: Mm.
3: So I'm a, I like doing cross, cryptic crosswords as well. And the more you read, the, the faster your brain's going. Mm. So it's a question of making time for it though, obviously. Yeah, Um,
1: no, exactly,
3: it. I mean, you know, being an out-of-work actor, of course, I have absolutely no spare time. Mm. Which is a complete lie, obviously.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's always good to to read and, and do things that you enjoy doing, isn't it? I think that's what I talk about a lot. And I think, you know, it's great that you do what you do and that you love it
3: yeah i'm very i feel very lucky because you see so many people who are who are tired and bored and they have to go to work every day doing something they're not interested in no i'm 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 terribly lucky that i found something that still is a passion and I, you know mm. I'm, I'm excited about whatever i'm going to do next i have no clue what it's going to be but it'll be something mm. um probably time i went back on stage again i think but yeah, it'll be, it'll be
1: interesting to uh, to see how, with this coronavirus thing, how they're going to uh, the whole. I suppose the whole setup of stages and sets and everything is all going to change. Do you
3: think? Well, hopefully, if if the, you know the social distancing goes down to one meter, so all the pubs and restaurants can reopen, you know, hopefully, theatres will start up again soon-ish. Um, but it's a tricky one. I mean, I don't quite understand why people are allowed on planes without social distancing. Yes, yeah, They're not allowed movie. to
1: sit in the theatre. Yeah, I did see that um, Heartbeat, not Heartbeat, sorry. Uh, Emmerdale, they did the filming and I think they, there were some people with coronavirus symptoms there to send them away.
3: Oh, really? I didn't see that. Okay. That, that's the weird thing. Do the soaps, when they start, production starts again, do they mention the virus? Do they have Mm. characters wearing face masks? Uh, I personally think we've all had enough of it. And, okay, they they need to be true to life, but do you really watch a programme in your leisure time that reflects the horror of lockdown?
1: I'm Mm. not sure. Because there's been obviously a pause, hasn't there, I think, in the filming. They've had
3: to pick up from somewhere, and it's like, how can you pick up? From where it was left off, to precisely without yes, without mentioning why that there was a pause. Um, yeah, because the East Ends are there's usually six weeks. It's usually six weeks from production to transmission. So obviously they've run out of stock,
1: mm.
3: which I, I don't think they're even on at the moment. Although I don't know.
1: I just think they're probably doing repeats. But uh, yeah, if it's it on, so. but
3: but. I suppose or like... they just. No, I was going to say, or they just shove on a football match, Euros 2004, or the World Cup Final 66, or whatever, um, which is pretty mm. desperate. Mm. But an, an unlimited supply of quite popular TV, I suppose.
1: Mm.
3: Well, they just play a few Liverpool games, you know, that's always good, you know. Good old. I don't think we should go down that route. But yeah. <laughs> because I think you and I are on different sides of the fence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, so, what is silly? Obviously, Liverpool deservedly are going to win the title, but
1: mm.
3: it seems a bit silly. Just let them play their two games, win them, give them the yeah. trophy, and then stop. Stop the season. Yeah. Although, of course, there's then there's the relegation issue, there's the qualifying for Europe issue. Mm. Uh, that the other teams are going to be involved in. But lucky for Liverpool, they can just sort of give up after yeah. two games. Yeah, no, it's not clear.
1: It'll be interesting to see how things pan out in terms of football and TV and society.
3: Um, yeah, I, I fear this is going to go on a lot longer than we think. Mm. Because it's like, it is so possible there's going to be a second spike, mm, second mm. wave, because we're now also complacent about it. Mm. we all think it's safe to do any, anything we want yeah we well I speak for myself obviously
1: I think we like you said people can get too relaxed and almost forget sometimes you know yeah. about things that have happened and it's like you kind of have to still kind of like be on guard a little bit with it of course um, is there is there any parts in films or series that you wish you would have got
3: um: I don't know. that's a very difficult question.
1: Or like anything that you would like to do that you haven't, if that makes sense, or any, anything that
3: No, like, to, to be quite to... honest, I'm happy with with whatever I'm asked to play. Mm. Um. although I have to say I, I've been up for the Crown, you know the Netflix series, the Crown.
1: Are you joke, really
3: been up for it six times and read for six different parts and not got one of them. Uh, And after a while, I said to my agent, this is sort of taking the piss slightly, isn't it? All all they're doing is wheeling in people like me, who they know can probably do the job, uh, just to fill in the casting list, you know, so that that it does give directors an option. Um, because they know i can you know they, know they know i can read well and i look all right-ish. so uh that's that got a bit tedious i think is it would be well, good to
0: do mm,
3: yeah i mean
1: uh i think like with when you apply or when you do these auditions there's like a long time frame between when you do it and when you actually hear back so you might do an audition and not hear anything for like 4 months well, that, that's,
3: that's one of our gripes is that if you don't get it, you don't hear anything. So you can sit there twiddling your thumbs for a couple of weeks. Very often you hear them. If you get it, you'll hear the next day, or they might say to you on the day, that's perfect. Uh, we'll book you for that. Mm. Um, that's happened to me. I've got it on the same day, which is mm. just brilliant. Um, but, and usually after about two days, you know you haven't got it if you haven't heard anything.
2: Although yeah. I, have, I have
3: to say, when I did EastEnders, I I auditioned in, at the beginning of June and I was in the West End doing a voiceover for something, I can't remember what it was, and complaining to somebody in the reception about, he, he had come down all the way from the Lake District to do this voiceover with me. And I said, that's a bit of a schlep. And he said, yeah, but you know, it's, it's, it is it's what it is. I have to do it. And I yeah. said, it's a it's a pain though, isn't it? It's like, I went all the way up to L Street to audition for EastEnders a couple of weeks ago. And and you think, well, that was a waste of time. I've heard nothing. And then, of course, walking to the tube, my phone goes, it's my agent. Oh, yeah, they've booked you for EastEnders. So it can happen. It Hmm. can happen that you wait ages and then you get the job. But as I said, usually you can feel it in your gut that, the job has gone after a couple of days if you've heard nothing. Mm, mm. But the horrible thing is, you know, in, in what other profession, you know, I'm starting to rant now, in what other profession do you go for a job interview and then get told nothing? Mm. At least they have the decency to write you a letter saying, um, actually, you were shit. <laughs> so at least you know.
1: <laughs> yeah. I... I've had job interviews where, like, yeah, they haven't said anything. I think, I think,
3: really, not, not even a letter.
1: Yeah, I've had I had a job interview once for a clothes shop. Uh, I'm not going to name drop it. Um, oh, go <clears> on. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, the guy, the guy turned up late who gave me the interview. I think he was like hungover. Oh um, no! I had the interview oh, with God. him. Had a coffee. And then right. he's like, yeah, I'll get back to you this in the week. Didn't hear anything.
3: That's um, so rude. Because you've made the effort. And you've probably put product in your hair, you know. And
1: yeah, you put a suit <laughs> on.
3: Yeah.
1: There was, there, was that, there was that one as well. Then I had one for an estate agent. And I had the, the chat first time around, the interview. And then he was like, you got the second interview. So I was like, bought a suit. You know, bought a brand new suit. And um, went for the interview, had the interview, and I was like, oh, you got another one. I was like, great. So I had, th- had three interviews. What? Okay. Yeah. And then then there was like, oh, you come back in for a chat. And on the, on the fourth chat, which was like a casual interview, um, there was like, oh, yeah, we're not uh, advertising for the job anymore or something like that. We're, 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 what?
3: Yeah. Uh, did you believe that?
1: He's being serious. And then... what? Well, they just
3: pulled the job?
1: They just pulled the job from that, that uh, place. They, just, they were advertising for a job that they couldn't fill. Um, That's ridiculous. Or they might have filled it internally. And then yeah. it gets worse. And then oh, really? I, had, I had a phone call for a, another job, the uh, same position in a different branch. And then they invited me for an interview. And then the day before, they cancelled the interview and said so they recruited internally.
3: Oh, that's ridiculous. that's taking the piss
1: and i was like right oh, okay. particularly like,
3: as they obviously <laughs> they knew you by then after four chats or whatever yeah sorry. good god so that's probably
1: similar to like some you know some well been- I,
3: yeah i mean i the worst one I had was um there was a show called uh under the under the hammer i think it was with richard wilson yeah. This is about 1994, Richard Wilson and Jan Francis. And I went up for Jan Francis's husband. And so I went for the interview and they said, yeah, that's great. Um, can you come back again tomorrow to meet the directors? So I went back the next day, met the directors. Mm. Yeah, brilliant. Um, can you come back in and meet John Mortimer next week, the author? Mm. You know, John Mortimer, who writes Rumpole of the Bailey and all that. Yeah. Uh, so I went and met John Mortimer. Who, who didn't seem to like me at all. Um, and I've read the same scenes again, you know, and, and this, is, so th- this is three weeks. And then the following Monday, my agent phoned up and said, can you go in for a screen test? And I said, are you, are you having a laugh? They've seen <laughs> me three times now. I've met the author, I've met the directors, I've met the producers, and they want me to do a screen test. So I went in and did this wretched screen test. I was obviously crap and waited another week and then i just thought do i really want to do this job and then the phone rang and maid and said um patrick morning love how are you uh and i said Look, just spit it out if you've got bad news and he said <laughs> uh, yeah they um they they've gone down another route and i said and it took them four weeks to decide to go down another route and he said, Yeah, I think I think John Mortimer thought you were too upper class. <laughs> and I just said, Well, perhaps John Mortimer could have said it on the day. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh,
0: anyway no,
1: that that's it's crazy, isn't it? Like uh, the whole process of it and how they can just I don't I don't see how organizations and businesses or certain industries can lead people on in that way. I suppose it is what it because is. Because they hold, they hold
3: all the cards, don't they? I mean, it, in showbiz, the actors are bottom of absolute bottom of the pile because we're all so desperate for the job.
0: Mm.
3: So it doesn't matter if the producers don't tell you you haven't got it. Because mm. you, you're hardly going to phone up and go, right, I'm never working for you again. Mm. Because you won't if you do that.
1: Mm.
3: And I presume you, you phoned the estate agent and gave him a mouthful.
1: I went into the brand.
3: Oh, did you?
1: <laughs> yeah, what, did I, <laughs> yeah, just had no. Uh, yeah, through <laughs> paper files on the floor. No, um, <laughs> I, I just I just went in and I I was I needed work at that time, and I was yeah. like, I've spent money that I haven't got really on a suit for a job to go for, and then this has happened, and yeah. they were like, well, we the manager isn't here, blah, 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 Give a call back on Wednesday. Um, I'm sorry about this. And it's like, I was just like, well, I'll just let them know, you know, that this is the situation. Well, good for you. Good for you. It yeah. probably made you feel 1% better. Yeah. yeah
3: so you came out of it with a new suit.
1: Yeah. So it's it's not, you know, there, there was a perk to it. You know, there's where there's a negative, there's a positive. So that's where I see it.
3: Um, Would would there been have been any mileage in you saying to them after the second interview, "Can you please tell me today if I've got the job or not"? Mm. They probably probably would have told you to get stuffed, actually, wouldn't they?
1: Yeah, they I I did say one while I hear back, and they said, "Oh, probably in a week or two, we've got a few more interviews." Um, But yeah, it's it's all it's all it's all experience, all a life lesson. That's that's the way I see it.
3: this is of course why we all love estate agents as well yeah (laughs) because they're they are almost subhuman
1: yeah it's a different different uh different world you kind of once you go in corporate setting no yeah, corporate setting isn't bad but some people within that just operate very differently
3: yeah i mean estate agents are kind of cutthroat aren't they and they'll do anything to get your property on their books yeah, and um, and as soon as it's sold, they're off. Yeah. Which is fine, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But
1: that is what it is, though, isn't it, I suppose, in that,
3: that, that game? I actually I sold up my flat in Primrose Hill in London about 20 years ago. And the estate agents couldn't do enough for me during the process. Absolutely couldn't do enough. And got me lots of viewings. And then they got me an offer, which I accepted and then i thought hang on a sec that that offer is 20 grand too little and i phoned them up and the bloke said well you're that's rather stupid if you don't mind me saying so you've you've accepted the offer you can't now go back on it and i thought okay that's that's fair enough then on the day i moved i came down the steps the front of my house as the estate agent happened to be walking past on another job and he completely blanked me
0: Mm
3: -hmm. like we don't need you anymore. I'm not going to be polite and say good morning. I'm just going to blank you. Mm. So, yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't be like that. I couldn't be one of those people.
1: I couldn't. Well, what's the you point?
3: Know? Yeah. Well, let's let's try and be happy rather than uh, making loads of money and miserable.
1: Mm. That's that's definitely that flip side, isn't it? You know, people yeah. in life making, you know, chasing money. You know, I mean, yeah, okay, money is, is great, but you could have all that money in the world, not be happy. If you're doing something, you're yeah. happy. Then that money will follow. Won't it? It's, um, yeah. people have got it kind of mixed mixed up. Are you charging
3: um, me for this, by the way?
1: Yeah. just send, just send me, uh, Checking the post text. <laughs> no, <I'm- laughs>
3: no, it sounds no, like joking. you're giving me a life coaching lesson. Yeah, <laughs> no, of course not. That's why <laughs> <laughs> the meter's running. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but um, but like when you do your acting, do you like to get into part and get into that role? Like I see some actors really, really embody that role. Um, like like the Heath Ledger with a Joker. I mean, that's very different to sitcoms.
3: he That's huge character acting, isn't it? And it's, it's overacting, but it works, obviously.
1: Do you, um, do you ever do that or like get into that part? Uh, how it, do you it, get into it, it the depends.
3: part? It depends. Uh, you have to find a voice to start with. You know, you have to decide how you're going to speak, which sounds obvious, but um, it's got to then feel right to you. Hmm. Um, you know, when I was doing EastEnders, I had to play him as a Cockney, as I said. And I actually, I had to, f- I found a quite famous actor who I used to work with, and I used to play football with, who's got a very deep Cockney accent. And I just, I kind of, I started trying to impersonate him. Mm. And I thought, yeah, this this actually works, because he sounds quite rough, which is what the bloke was supposed to be. Um, and also physically, you've got to feel that you are that person. Mm. Um, you might, you know, find a, a strange walk or a way of standing, um, but usually most of it comes through the lines. Obviously, you know what mm. they've written for you to say. But I'm not a, a method actor, you know. I don't kind of, you know, if I'm playing a butcher, I don't go and buy a chicken and cut it into pieces or, or you know, get into that uh, part like literally. It's ridiculous. I mean, didn't Olivier famously say to Dustin Hoffman, uh, Hoffman was kind of getting it. I think they were in a in a play together. I can't remember, but Dustin, Olivier saw Dustin Hoffman kind of being really anxious and pacing up and down and trying to get into the part. And Olivier went up to him and said, um, "Dustin, what? Try acting." Hmm. Which sounds obvious, but at the end of the day, we're pretending to be someone else. Yeah. We have, we're trying to do it as accurately as possible. But if you're going to try and become that person, I think that's unnecessary.
1: I, I saw that... Um, did you ever see that documentary or that film with Jim Carrey um, where he played Andy Kaufman in uh, Man on the Moon? Have you seen the documentary?
3: No, I didn't. Yeah, I, did, I didn't really, see it.
1: Really interesting documentary. You have to watch it, and uh, it's on Netflix. And Jim Carrey embodies literally Andy Kaufman. He became Andy Kaufman. Um, okay. Do, do you know Andy Kauf?
3: You know Andy Kaufman is? No, I, do, I don't know. No. He. I should do, I suppose. But
1: he's he's American. I think he was American. He basically did like lots of comedy, and he was a bit a bit of a strange guy. Um. But but anyway, Jim Carrey took on his character and. Jim Carrey, it shows you, but this footage in the documentary shows you behind the scenes footage of Jim Carrey and he's, he's basically that character when the camera stops. He, um, he, he carries uh, it on and he ends up pissing the people off he's working with and the directors and he's, he just literally just became that character.
3: That's, that's actually quite funny. A friend of, <laughs> a friend of mine is in, uh, the sci-fi show Red Dwarf and yeah, he <laughs> I don't know if you've ever watched Red Dwarf, but they they have lots of very mm. silly silly characters turn up. <laughs> yeah. there, was, there was an episode where Elvis was, <laughs> for some reason, Elvis was in the episode. And, you know, it was an English bloke playing Elvis. So, and my mate Chris said, uh, yes, yeah, so he was brilliant, you know, all morning he was, thank you very much, man, thank you. Okay, baby. Was, uh, you know, being Elvis. <laughs> and then Chris said, <laughs> they were in the lunch queue, and, you know, the woman was like, do you want chips with that, dear? Thank you very much, ma'am. And he couldn't stop. <laughs> he had his lunch as Elvis. You know, he's from Milton Keynes or somewhere. Mm,
1: mm. Yeah, it's... Um, it is
0: fascinating. If you, you see... I
3: tell you one final acting story, then we a probably better stop, haven't we? Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Um, another friend of mine... Uh, was in Captain Corelli's Mandolin, the movie. Right. With Nicolas Cage, is that right? Yeah, he played the lead, didn't he? Yeah. And my mate had thought he was going on a flight to Greece on the Tuesday. Sunday night, he went out with a load of mates and got absolutely blotto. And then at six o'clock on Monday morning, his doorbell rang and the bloke said, I've come to take you to the airport. And Martin's like, what? It's Tuesday. And the bloke said, no, 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 no. Your flight is in three hours' time. <gasps> and We're late. So you better, we better, And he didn't wash, he didn't, ch- he'd slept in his oh, clothes. So my. he had no time to pack. And so he got to Greece, you know, stinking. And And then the next day he went on set and um, Nicolas Cage came up and said, Ah, you are the one without the luggage. <laughs> because he was doing exactly the same thing. He, was, he, was, he decided he was going to speak with an Italian accent for the whole shoot.
1: Oh, my God. There we go. That's insane. That's fascinating, Fun.
3: though, isn't it? Are we... Um...
1: Yeah, that's no, good. It's a, it's, a, it's a rap, as
3: they call it, in yep. accents. Oh, <laughs> oh, you make me feel so at home. Thank you.
1: <laughs> no yeah <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs>
3: but um but, my no, language.
1: Pa- yeah <laughs> but no patrick it's it's um it's been it's been a pleasure talking to you
3: um well no thank you it's it's always fun to talk about oneself <laughs>
1: for
0: a long
3: time <laughs> <laughs> but um okay. but no, i have ri- i ri- I really
1: appreciate your time, and uh, it's been really great talking to you. Okay. Um, yeah, you is, is is there is there any I usually ask guests like you know like on, I don't know if you're on social media like is where where can um, people find you got a website or anything people can find your content on or is it IMDb? Uh, um, what's, the, what's the best source?
3: You, I think the best thing to do is is Google Patrick Kremen and then things will come up. There's a one of my scenes in East End is, is on YouTube. I know that. Um, I think the Strepsils ads are on YouTube, uh, and my agent's website, um, uh, and my sh- and my spotlight entry can mm. be looked at. And my showreel is on there. My film yeah, yeah. Okay,
1: I'll I'll put that in the description so people can find it anyway. I'll find the okay. links, so or you send me some details I'll I'll, I'll add to it
3: okay nice one awesome right um, Um, enjoy your Sunday lunch and speak to you soon yeah
1: you too Patrick take care
3: okay see you mate all the best cheers bye 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 bye